Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn Dunk. That's me. Wow, really putting my full name out for the uh, internet to hear. Yeah, we do that all the time. What are you <laughs> talking about? It's in your Twitter handle. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and today, we are continuing our four-year consideration series with the trial of the Chicago 7. Mm-hmm. Carolyn? Is that my cue for the synopsis? Yeah, unless you want me to do it again and give you a real synopsis cue. I don't know. That was swell. So, uh, The <laughs> Trial of the Chicago 7, directed and written by Aaron Sorkin, because he knows how to do that only, it seems. Well, apparently. <laughs> the story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so... For those who listened to the last episode, we covered Mangrove, which was about a civil rights trial. This is about a movie uh, <laughs> that is about a similar thing, but it really is not a similar movie uh, in any sense of the word. <laughs> no. Uh, before we get into it, we should say this cast is star-studded. Oh, my goodness. Every other character was a famous person. Yeah. Uh, it, I stars Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Jeremy Strong, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Mark Rylance, uh, Frank Langella. It's like like every character, even if they're only in like two scenes, is like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, because John Carroll Lynch is in it. And isn't he? He's from a show. What show? Is it Breaking Bad? Very famous character actor. Yeah. Uh, He's in in Zodiac. Um, He's a very recognizable man when you see him. Yeah. When you see him, you're like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, he's (laughs) He's... Norm from Fargo, isn't he? Yeah, he is Norm. Ah, classic. Yes. Not the TV show. And he's one of the few good parts of this film. Uh, (laughs) I I think this movie... My my biggest issue with this movie is it's actually eight people being on trial, not seven. Yes. and, And where that is an issue is because they don't address it very quickly. And you're just like, wait, one, two, three, four, wait, what? And they introduce all eight of the people the same way, um, showing Mm -hmm. you. That was actually, to be honest, my favorite part of the movie was the introduction of all the people. They're all preparing for the same protest, but they're all showing up at the protest for different reasons. And I thought that was really cool, the way that they intercut it with like people – sentences. It was all very snappy. It was all very Hollywood, but but I thought that was really cool. It was all very Sorkin. Absolutely. To see the different motivations of people and why they were going, and it was a good introduction to the characters, and I thought the pacing was good on that, but yeah, you count, and you're like, wait, there's eight people. And so the reason that they did that, and I guess there's a different version of this movie that you mentioned, James, called The Trial of the Chicago Eight. Mm -hmm. So... There I is, guess the yeah. reason that they justified calling it the Chicago 7 was that during the trial, um, the protesters out front were talking about, like, free the Chicago 7 or whatever. And this is pointed out by one of the characters, the eighth character, if you will, um, who's basically saying, <laughs> I'm not with these guys. Even the signs out say th- outside say that I'm not with these guys. So I think that's why it is that way, because the movement and the people that were saying, like, free these guys, it... Uh, yeah, they were discussing the Chicago 7. But but yeah, there's eight people, so what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it, what, what I think the movie fails to grapple with is that the character who is forgotten is the one black character. Yes. And the other seven are all white men. Yes. And I understand at the time, like, obviously, I I get why it should, like, 
they would like the people protesting would call it the Child of the Shock 07. I am fully aware of all of that. But mm-hmm. if you're making a movie about it, and if you actually rely on that eighth character to be part to of the story, carry a lot, of, yeah, to carry a huge part of the emotional story until yeah. you're done with him, and then you just get rid of him from the movie and don't care about him anymore. Yeah, then you fucking call it the Chicago Eight. That's the thing. He felt like a prop, and that's horrible. Yes, and. Like we both understand that he was an actual prop mm-hmm. in the real story mm-hmm. in the trial, but if you make a fucking movie about it, you can't. You you're not. You can't do that. Like, yep. what are you doing? Yep. And I'm not criticizing the actor. Like Yaya Abdul Mutin, I think is the best part of this movie. Oh, I, I think thought he was fantastic. Is- I loved every part of him there. I found him the character that was the most relatable. The like, yeah, I could understand his frustrations. I could understand his you know, demeanor in general. And no, I thought he was awesome. His performance relies so much on him just emoting. Like he doesn't get, he gets to talk. uh, Sorkin movies are very talky and he certainly gets to talk a lot. But so much of his performance is just by not speaking. And it, he's so good in this movie and the movie doesn't care about him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you like this movie? No, I hated this movie. I thought, like, with you, I agree. I thought it starts really strong with, like, the introducing us all of all the different protesters and why they're all going and how their plan initially is. And I thought that was very well done. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you've effectively told us all of these people are sort of separate groups and why they're all going and why it is important to all of them together, even though they're not together. And I was like, I get that. That's a very well job. That's a great job you did there. Yeah. And then I think the moment that that ends and the trial stuff begins, I think it is, frankly, terrible. It made me angry. I don't know what I expected about from a movie called like The Trial of Something, but I for some reason didn't <laughs> expect it to be entirely about a trial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yes, I, yes I, I, I agree. There was the I guess there's two aspects of this movie. One is how is the movie, and then one is the trial itself. And the trial is infuriating. It's a farce. The judge is like unabashedly biased like what the hell you know so i found my dislike of the movie also got tied up in my dislike of the trial um so i think i think that there there was that so regardless of how bad the movie was or wasn't the trial itself i mean i feel like at least i learned something about that and how messed up it was yes i i i agree i think understanding the that what this political situation is important and i'm glad that i now know about it and Mm -hmm. did my own research afterwards to learn the actual story and stuff so yeah like it does like a civil rights movie for white people in that oh yeah features (laughs) only white people the scenes and this happened in real life so it is disgusting in real life as well but bobby seal um the one black eighth person they at one point uh bind and gag him in court which is it's horrifying to see i mm-hmm. i hate that that happened in real life i hate that that movie used that as a point to say isn't this terrible and then they dismiss him from the movie that's I the last that. we see of bobby seal yep and i hate that like i i get it it's timely but like i said it's 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 a movie for white people about police brutality in that like you see the removal of the badges you see the chance of the whole whole world is watching which was very very on the nose um and i mean for people who are getting something out of watching this maybe maybe we are not the target audience i guess but for people who are getting something that's great i think it's important that people see this 
I think not necessarily our demographic of people. <laughs> no, I yeah, I I I I think this this movie is definitely made for white people, but it yes. feels like it's made for fucking boomers. That's exactly what it feels like because that's when the boomers, especially the ones who were like, you know, uh, back when they were students, they were like the protests were going on and stuff. They they would be like, oh my god, wow. The police shoved them through a window and they took off their badges. And, oh my goodness. But yeah, it feels it feels like for boomers. I think it'll teach boomers something. Yeah. I think this movie's important for boomers and no one else. Yes. It but it, it is entirely the uh American version of this film where it, it shows you these the bad people are so outlandish, mm-hmm. like the evil people, and so outwardly racist mm-hmm. and like dismissive of everything it allows people like that to be like well well, i'm not that bad so i'm not a bad like i'm they're the issue it's not me right like i obviously think that what these people are going through is bad Mm -hmm. because it's unfair but also like i would never protest that's what i feel like this movie who this movie's for and i'm just Mm -hmm. like why does this movie why are we why does this movie exist for them when there's a really good story that this movie could tell if it is told better well also it's definitely for those folks because we have the sympathetic uh lawyer as well like joseph gordon levitt with the whole i don't know like he's he's like he's the good guy a created character yeah of course who's there to be relatable and to be the upstanding lawman who gets how all these hooligans really are doing what they're doing like it's it's yeah what was still gonna prosecute them well of course he thinks they're they're bad people, but uh, but he's also going to be the person who stands there and is like, "Yo, we maybe shouldn't um, gag someone in court, maybe, you know." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that is the worst character in the movie. I don't. I think JGL is doing a good job, or as I well think so as too. he can. Yes, but his the existence of his character is incredibly frustrating. Yes, I think in terms of the actual uh, story that happened in real life. I think there is some interesting things in there. Like, I think it's comical the number of undercover cops that there were. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, it's it's horrifying, too, because clearly they were looking to have arrests. They were looking to get people in trouble. What other reason do you put undercover cops in places? You know, it's not to protect yeah. and uphold the police or uh, uphold the the peace. It's It's to get people in trouble. And that is something that happened a lot at the time. It was like, it, which is just... These people were set up for failure, um, and I wish that the – I mean, the movie kind of referenced that. I don't know. I just think it could have been done in a better way. I hate that there's a good story here, and it's not the story that is told. Or it's told in a way that it is not a good story. Yeah. that I think that's the correct phrasing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it also – like, the under, the one undercover cop that is actually a part of the story – at the end of the movie, she also stands up, right? So it's like, she's not that bad. And I'm like, no, she's bad. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, have we all just forgotten the Bobby Seal stuff movie? Like, mm-hmm. is that where we're at? Because it really feels like you did. Mm-hmm. And, like, Fred Hampton's in this movie, who is the um the Black Panther leader, or mm-hmm. a Black Panther leader at the time, mm-hmm. um, who was, was killed during the trial. Like, that is true. He, and he was there. But the fact that, Again, why is that in the movie? Like, what if, like, is it just because you wanted to reference that, but then not actually? Yeah, care either about tell it? the story or don't. Don't do this weird half assed thing. Yeah. I, like, I, like, that confused me. The bot, like, 
as I'm sure people understand now, the Bobby Seal stuff is one of the most frustrating things mm -hmm. in this movie. And I think it is, it really questions like what this filmmaker thinks. I'm mm -hmm. like, what does he, like, is this person just like, it's like the classic definition of like what uh, um, certain people will be like, how Hollywood doesn't understand the normal person. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I will that's say, that's what this feels like. This is not like the worst movie I've ever seen. It will be. Um, nominated for Academy Awards. It is. It has all the makings oh, of it. Boy. It's got the snappy writing. It's got the story that ultimately makes you feel okay. It's got all the famous people. Ugh, a lot. It's got Eddie Redmayne. Like you know, but <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's not a bad movie. It's just it's got problems. I will say that I did like some of the actors in this. Um, for what it was, this Hollywoodized version of the story. I, I don't like Sasha Baron Cohen at all, but I thought he was actually good in this and likable. I thought his he was I thought his performance was um other than Yahya Abdul Mateen, mm -hmm. uh, the next best performance out of the people on trial. Well, because I loved him as this kind of like shit disturbing hippie guy who actually was not an idiot. Like he had some really insightful things to say. He and he knew when to hold his tongue and chose not to. And I liked that about him. And weirdly enough, I don't like Eddie Redmayne at all. Oh, he fucking sucks in this movie. No, see, I don't like Eddie Redmayne at all. And I was okay with him in this movie. I think it's because he, for once, wasn't like the, oh, I'm Eddie Redmayne. You know, and I'm like, are you unwell, Eddie? Like, are you okay? In this movie, I was like, at least he, like, stands for something. Yeah, like, yeah I I think Sasha Baron Cohen is good. I don't. Mm -hmm. I didn't like Eddie Redmayne's performance or character, but I think I don't know. I kind of took away that you weren't really supposed to like Eddie Redmayne's character. You're supposed. I think you're supposed. You're definitely supposed to be frustrated with him. Well, yeah, because he's, he's someone who thinks he stands for something, but then when faced with actual consequences, he really wants to back down from the issue. Yes, uh, but my main issue with that whole thing is that the characters, the the real men that those. It's specifically these the, these the three actors that are Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Jeremy Strong, who are all I believe Eddie Redmayne's the youngest and he's in his forties, and Sasha Baron Cohen's in his fifties, and Jeremy Strong's I think like middle forties. Mm -hmm. uh, but the the people they are playing in the trial were in their twenties, and you are casting yeah. old men to play young protesters, and if the old like John Carroll Lynch is play his protester is an old guy, and he look he's an older gentleman. Mm -hmm. So, but it, that fits with that character, right? But changing the age so dramatically on those characters inherently changes who those characters are, right? Because it's it's like you're yeah. telling me that Sasha Baron Cohen is supposed to be 25. The man looks 50, so there's some well, disconnect the is, there. It works because he he's like he's a hippie, right? So it's kind of like okay, yeah, he might be a little bit more um, liberal thinking sort of thing. But you're right in that I think mm -hmm. it would be so much more impactful if he was a 25 year old who's just like dicking around, wants to start some violence and some protests and stuff, but also has some insightful things to say and is actually a very like well thought person. I think that would be way more impactful if he was 25. Yeah, it would make it because they do have very young actors or people who look very young as defendants as well mm -hmm. it, but they don't really get the time but they look very young and i was mm -hmm. like it should all they all should be fresh-faced except for that one older guy and well yeah they're kids right yeah but but yeah that's but then you cast these old guys and they're not kids so then mm -hmm. it's like a 50 year old i 
would understand the concept would greater understand the consequences of the protesting mm -hmm. than a 22 year old would mm -hmm. yep. and I, there, that just whole disconnect it like constantly pulled me out of the movie and i was like i'm watching old men try to be young but they don't look young but i'm and it just confused me the whole time mm -hmm. and i don't think jeremy strong i think jeremy strong is like quite bad in this film mm -hmm. his character apparently the real life guy was not like that at all like he was pretty serious <laughs> i was i was pretty confused i was confused about his character i thought it was pretty uneven because at some points he was like yeah, like the quiet stoic guy, but then at other points he wasn't, and it just it it was confusing to me. Yeah, and I I I, I yeah, his I don't understand some of the like the parts with his why it needs to be in the movie. Frankly, like I just don't care about how he thinks he's in love with this undercover cop. Like, why do we care mm -hmm. at all? Other than to be like he's stupid, I guess is what we're they're trying to show, or he's like easily duped and swayed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I do I do think the scene where uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is like going at Eddie Redmayne mm -hmm. for like his beliefs and stances and being like, hey, hey, moron, like you don't get to back out now. Yeah. You can't just be like performative protesting. Yeah. There are con like we all the rest of us understood there was going to be consequences. See, the, yeah, that's the issue I have with this movie is I like I it's not for me. But I think that there are people who can get <laughs> something from it, you know, and 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 sh it should. I don't know. It's like it's like an easy first step for the people who need to take that first step, you know, to understanding yeah. why people would want to protest or march or the police brutality and the way that they try to trick people and stuff like that. So I think if you are if you have no idea about the sixties and seventies in North America, you should watch it. If you're above the age of 40, go for it. I think everyone else should. There there are better movies because I think we're maybe perhaps a little bit beyond the this story, the way that it's told. I think we're beyond that. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, like I don't really see. I mean, it's not Green Book. Like, it's no Green Book. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're comparing it to that, yes. <laughs> But Green Book is Green Book is a whole other yeah whole other terrible thing. But I just yeah I don't I think if you're anybody who is like at all been like politically engaged this year mm -hmm. and is somebody who is like like a dirty leftist like we are, <laughs> this movie's not is not for you because yeah. it will just you'll have our reaction of being like, no, this isn't. It's like you don't we don't you don't tell this story this way like no. you don't. You do tell this story, but not this way. Yes, this story, again, also like the end of the trial, completely made up. They didn't yeah. read the names. No, but, but it's Hollywood movie making. But it's Hollywood. Also, like the it's so the 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 final like scene of this movie is like when he's reading the names and then the judge is standing up like smashing his gavel, but he's doing it with like pulling his arm back like behind his shoulder and then like slamming it down. I'm like, am I watching a play? Is this supposed <laughs> to be a play? And then they pause it in the now? middle so that you can show the like 25 slides of what happened to the characters after the story ended. Yeah. Yeah. Which also made me mad because yeah. uh, I was like, oh, so um, Sasha Baron Cohen, Abby Hoffman's character ended up committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that's sad. But well, then it's like, oh, by the way. Like throw it. What was weird about that is I understand cards like that where it's like it's a movie where someone's struggling with something throughout the whole time um, and then they die. Um, they die by suicide. 
But like with this movie, I'm like, wait, why are we ending on a triumphant note? And then you're like, and they'd all died, you know? Like it's weird. Like it's also, it's a catch-22 because you can't not share that part of the story. You can't pretend Mm -hmm. that all ended well when it didn't. But eh, tell us more. Did he die by suicide in a way that was suspicious? Did he die by suicide because he struggled with um, addiction or with something else? Like tell us more. You can't just be like, by the way, he died by suicide, you know? Yeah, because it's not at all in his character in this movie. Like, no, it's and kind so of like it's a like a surprise when it happens. Yeah, so did you tell the story bad? Did you leave something out? Like, yeah, I, I found that really jarring, actually. Or did some, or did something else happen in the in this man's life? Like we and, don't and know, so maybe us. don't put that at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the other two that um, uh, Rudin, played by Jeremy Strong, find out he becomes a stockbroker, and I'm like, oh, so he sold out? Like, yeah, he just. This was like a phase for him. And then Eddie Redman's character was like, oh, by the way, he became a politician. And I was like, fucking what? Yeah. You decided to focus on a movie on one guy who I think deserved Hoffman deserved to be like, the movie should focus on Hoffman. Yeah. Um, but then the other two are two guys who like were I feel like they were just this was their politics for a phase of their life. And then they switched because yeah. the moment you become a politician, you're no longer an activist. So but Eddie Redman's character, they didn't really show it in the movie, but it made sense what they told me that was like, oh, so he was a politician the whole time. He just thought activism was a way that you're a politician. Yep. But that's not at all addressed in the movie. And then I was like, fuck this movie at the end. And then it was like, oh, by the way, Bobby Seale was found not guilty of the crimes he was committed, but he was found guilty of like the 25 contempts of court. So he did spend some time in jail. And I was like, oh, we're talking about Bobby Seale again? Yeah. (laughs) By the way, we have more to say about him because uh, it's sad. So let's remind you. Yeah, Yeah. but he's also the last name too, right? Like the other ones they cover. And it's like, oh, by the way, this man that, you know, we spent a lot of time in that. I don't actually care about it. I, yeah, I was very, I think that's, it compared it to Mangrove, which the after credits stuff or like the text in Mangrove actually works and this one just doesn't work in any way. It's very like, what? It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they were writing. It's like, they were like, well, we should probably put some end credits, but like they didn't, they didn't write them until like right before the movie got released. And they're like, this is the facts we have. Okay, let's do it. Hit print. Yeah, it's like some uh, some producer or whoever made this movie was like, hey, what happens to these characters after? You should let them know. Well, because it's like, a okay, biopic, we'll you have to in. put something. <laughs> you can't, yeah, people, you can't rely on people doing looking it up afterwards. Mm-hmm. I um, Or I, maybe. What? No, go ahead. Or go maybe ahead. people should re- research thought. movies that they uh, watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But we don't. I don't need to go aggro on the people <laughs> who aren't involved with the movie. I um, I read a quote, um, or I read a I read a review of that someone wrote about this movie that I think is like kind of sums it up really well. So this is um on RogerEbert.com. It's written by Bal- Brian. Wow, Bolin, Brian Telerico. And he says, so that Sorkin sense that everybody knows exactly what to say and do in any given situation, even as they express doubt with perfect diction and vocabulary, fits perfectly for a story like the invention of Facebook in the social network, where even the birth of Apple and Steve <laughs> Jobs, but the protest movement and the government's attempt to quell it should be more organic than this film, oh, sorry, than this film ever even flirts with being. It looks and sounds great, but should it? And that is the exact problem with this story. It, it looks and sounds great. That's not how this is. People aren't. People are flawed. This is not the fast-moving yeah, tech world, like, right? No, it isn't. And it, yeah, the these, yeah, I. That's a perfect way to to summarize it. Like mm-hmm. I, that's the heart of all of my issues with this movie is that it feels too clean. Yes, 
it ties it all in a nice little bow for something that really shouldn't. And uh, and I hate I hate keeping plugging this uh, mangrove episode, but if you guys check out that one, that that is the difference of that story is that it ends kind of on a on a note that's like you all did things that you shouldn't have. Okay, this is confusing. <laughs> Get out of here, you know. Whereas like this mm-hmm. trial, it's it's yeah, it's tied up so neatly, and uh, and we know that's not how it was. Yeah, and. Yeah, with Mangrove, like there is never Mangrove never puts the time and effort in to make the people, the oppressors, seem good. Mm-hmm. Whereas the trial of the Charcoal Seven is like Joseph Gordon. I just felt like Joseph Gordon Levitt's character was like essentially a Republican, and it's like he's a good one. Remember Republicans? They used to be good, and I was like, no, fuck them all. <laughs> like, that guy, <laughs> that guy sucked. Just because he's nice doesn't mean you get to be like he's a good guy. Like what the fuck? He's well, still also- trying to throw you in jail. If you have to invent in an, a nice character for the story to be acceptable, then you're writing it the wrong way. If you're making exactly. up a nice guy, there was no nice guy. No, there was. That's where it was just like, it's also like, it's a movie set in the 60s, like during the civil rights movement, you can make the people a little cartoonish because guess what we all discovered in this past year is that they're like in Mangrove, they couldn't show the real bad shit the cops did. Yep. So, and I'm sure this movie's the same way, right? Like we saw them get pushed through the window, which is like, like very shocking and effective, mm-hmm. but it's also it's like, I bet there was other shit they did that you can show us and that it like goes up. Like the judges, I actually think the judge character is like played properly being like so outlandish. Cause I bet that's what it was like. Yeah. Like the man literally gagged a guy in court. Yeah. Like, it doesn't like you're already at outrageous. So I don't think you could really overplay him. And then only like, well, and yeah, because at a point they're like, I think there's something wrong with this guy, like beyond just like he sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was is like, I think there is. <laughs> like, this yeah. man like can't remember people's names. And I was like, oh, so we're going with that he's incompetent too. Like, perfect. That's yes. But then it's kind of forgotten. That's the thing. It's like he's a character that you want to hate and they made it really easy to hate him. It was incredibly frustrating watching him. But yeah. And it's like. Part of the reason why I'm so frustrated with this movie is that it's going to get nominations and it's going to be not that it's as frustrating as Green Book is yeah. because Green Book is significantly worse and has worse politics. Mm-hmm. But this movie does not deserve to be nominated for anything, in my opinion. But it but it will be. And I can I can see why it would be like also in this uh, in the same review, they say that um, obviously it's an extremely timely project. And it says it's meant to spark conversation about how far we've come since the riots of 1968 and the subsequent trial in Chicago of the the guys there. He says it's an accomplished ensemble piece, thick with great performances, pushing for space in the same frame. The weight of the subject matter combined with the intensity of the acting here will be more than enough for some people. And I expect a few awards giving bodies, but I couldn't shake the feeling that it felt too refined and manufactured. He's right. Exactly. Why doesn't this guy just do the podcast, you know? Hey, hey, hey. Don't don't talk like that. That man's a professional. That man's a professional writer. Neither of us are professional writers. We're neither of us are professional anything. Yeah. Oh wow, that's true, man. <laughs> it yeah, that nails it. Um, but it's just like I guess I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna be so annoyed when this movie is nominated in places, and I'm like, it doesn't fucking deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Like if they nominated uh, Yaya, um, for supporting actor, I would be like, okay, like that's the one I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. But that's like, 
it, but it's going to get nominated for screenplay and it's going to drive me insane. Mm-hmm. Also, have we really come that far? <laughs> and that's the question that we hope people ask when they uh, <laughs> watch this movie. Because <laughs> that's what I was asking. I was like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I, I I was like, should I end it? Or should I say what we do next? What's our next for your consideration? All right. So for our next for your considerations, uh, James, I know that you have a pick here. <laughs> I do. Uh, my, the one I picked another round, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, a Danish film starring Mads Mikkelsen. And it's about a midlife crisis, essentially. That's all I'll say. I know a little bit more, but I think it's better if you don't know when you go in. And, but it stars Mads Mikkelsen, who is maybe maybe the most attractive man. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll settle the age-old debate of Mads Mikkelsen, attractive or freaky. Uh, I'm on the side of freaky. It's so. attractive, excuse you. <laughs> um, so the movie that I picked is Mank, um, which is 1930s Hollywood, is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing wit, an alcoholic screenwriter, Herman J. Mankiewicz, sure. Uh, basically Mankiewicz. the guy who wrote fin- uh, Citizen Kane. We're going to look into that. Um, it's directed by David Fincher. That it is. And it has uh, Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. So. Yeah. It, I'm, hopefully the, both of these movies will be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we'll probably like them more than The Trial of the Chicago 7. I mean, it's, it's a high bar. Who knows? <laughs> Carolyn, where can people find you? You can if find you... me and my scathing wit and cynicism on uh, Twitter uh, and Instagram at carolyndunk93. Uh, James, where can they find you? At James underscore Willicks on Twitter and at James Willicks on Instagram. And you can find this podcast on all streaming services and send us an email at letswatchpod at gmail.com. And the uh, episode after this one will obviously be the next 99 bracket. And then after that, we'll do another round and then Mank. Yeah, so, so speaking of scathing a- uh, wit and cynicism, definitely check out our next episode of 99 uh, Bracket. Yeah, the one that just came out. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> She's spicy. And then uh, I assume the next one will be just as spicy. The spice increases as the bracket gets smaller. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn has two modes, sleepy and spicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>